lecture of the second week of Saturday, August 12th at the Freiburg New Church Assembly. It's our last lecture. My name is Reverend Susanna Curry and I'd like to speak this morning about how angels interact with human beings. We have uh, talked quite a bit this week about the connections between the natural and the spiritual world and we know from Emanuel Swedenborg's writings that he certainly interacted with angels over decades of his life. The Lord opened his spiritual eyes and gave him that opportunity. And so we very much rely on the insights that he shares with us from those experiences. And the question I have this morning is do we still have those experiences too? He writes in The Last Judgment that angels can and do interact with us. He writes that the spiritual world cannot be separated from the natural, nor the natural world from the spiritual. Thence, neither the angelic heaven from the human race, nor the human race from the angelic heaven. Wherefore, it is so provided by the Lord that each shall afford a mutual assistance to the other, that is, the angelic heaven to the human race, and the human race to the angelic heaven. Now that last phrase might seem a little odd. How is it that the human race can help the angelic heaven? He writes in other places in his writings that there are in those first three days when a person departs this world for the next, that their transitioning can be assisted by our prayers for them, by our attention to our process of letting them go. And um, the angelic heaven interacting with us has a lot to do with how we have experienced how angels watch over us and help us. So I want to pause there and introduce Dean Sanborn. This is my husband's grandfather, for whom he is named. And he is an angel that watches over the cottage where we live in Denmark. He was the one who gave the, his, Dean's parents the money for the land so that they could purchase it. Um, his wife, Lydia, stood out on the ice one winter and said, build it right there. And that's where they built it. And in remembering him, and in having that very peaceful face watch over us at the cottage, um, and I wanted to light a candle for him because I recognize that real people who we have known, who have passed into the spiritual world, are the ones that are most likely to watch over us. Because that connection of love and understanding and mutual experience still exists even when they pass from this world. So this morning, just, I'd like to just close your eyes for a minute and invite the angels of those you love, those who have gone before you, those who are on the walls in the doorway. Invite them in to listen in with us this morning. In addition to Swedenborg's writings, there's much scriptural evidence for angelic interaction with human beings and many contemporary stories, which I've had the delight and the honor of hearing some of the stories of the people in this community right here and right now. And I'll be sharing some of them with you. Angels tend to be perceived in a wide variety of ways, and after asking for people to share their angel stories with me, I was awed that they reported even more ways to experience angels than I had even been aware of. So now I'd like to go into some of the very real experiences, the scriptural examples, 
and identify a variety of reasons that angels would contact us. And what I've come to identify them as as opportunities to pronounce something, to protect someone, to guide someone, and to connect and comfort someone. And all of these variety of reasons are ways in which angels are messengers. And we, we hear that a lot about angels in scripture, that they're messengers. So by way of pronouncement in Luke 2.10, we hear, and the angel said to them, be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. There's also the story of Sarai having the announcement of this, she will have a child. A pronouncement can sometimes be announcing not just a birth, but a passing. And one of our campers shared with me that she saw her grandfather in a dream going in a car with her mother, who had predeceased him, and waving back down, and then the next day getting the announcement that he had passed. So that, that moment of passing was pronounced and given as a preparation and also as a comfort. I myself had a experience of being told to tell someone else that a spiritual, this person's father, who was in the spiritual world, wanted him to know that he was proud of him. It was a pronouncement to share with someone else. And then another camper telling me about having had an experience of being told everything is fine by his mother, and then to find the next day that she had passed. And I want to say that during our time of Q&A, if you'd like to claim your story, I'd be happy for you to do that and let people know it was your own personal story. But in the, in the spirit of just sharing the possibilities, because each of you, even if it's not your story, it could happen to you. We all are spiritual beings connected to the spiritual world. Angels that come in by way of protection are in um, the story in Daniel 6. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no wrong. The Lord sent the angel messengers to protect Daniel from the lion. One of our campers expressed to me an experience of sort of out of time that she was in, frozen in the snow as a young girl trying to get home and all of a sudden she's home. She was somehow transported from having sat down in the snow to being home safe and warm. Also, the experience that I shared this in the, it was in the angel video that we watched last night. I was at a red light once and I always used to kind of drive quickly. I had lots to do. And my, it was before car seats had to be in the back and my son was in the front seat. And I was at the red light and the light turned green and I felt my face being pushed and a voice said, appreciate your son. And I looked at him and I was just enjoying him for a moment and the car went boom, right through the intersection, 90 miles an hour. We would have both been totally dead. How else could that be anything but an angel? So protection is something that the angels watch over us and they're ready to be with us if the need is great. I just think about it, if I paid no attention to that, I wouldn't be here today. Angels sometimes come to bring guidance in our path. In Isaiah 30 we read, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right, and when, and when you turn to the left, that if we're listening, there's guidance for us. 
I was told a story, and I certainly have had many experiences of this, of the guidance that is given at end of life at the bedside, as I work as a hospice chaplain. And there was guidance given to one of our campers as her father was dying, that angels came and brought song into that room and guided her into the singing to allow that special feeling of holiness to surround her father. Another story of guidance to those who are dying was a young girl who was given an image of the Lord looking down over her and angels surrounding her just shortly an hour before she passed away. And what a comfort to those left behind to know that we've had that guidance into the next world. Now I have a kind of uh, not very serious story about guidance, which is that when I was uh, living in Maine, in Scarborough, at one point we were redoing our bathroom. And the space was tight and it had to be, um, we were trying to find a side fill tub that was a certain size and had one rounded edge and three square edges. and It was a really unique piece that we were looking for. And I was working, driving around to different clients in the state of Maine, and I was going up Route 302, and I normally would have gone a certain way to Pride's Corner, but I was driving along and something said, well, why don't you try that road? Okay, I was kind of up for a drive, it was a nice day. I took that left up on a hill with a for sale sign on it, it was a side fill tub that fit within one quarter inch of the size I needed. How did that happen? It's a little guidance from above. And angels come to connect and to comfort us. And in Hebrews it says, forget not to show love unto strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. The reassurance that we are given by angelic encounters comes in many different through many different senses one camper reported smelling her mother and receiving a hug and an I love you after she had passed another camper reported feeling the touch during the massage when the massage therapist had moved to her head feeling her foot still held by some comforting angel and myself, once during a meditation experience, felt the, the embrace of a friend who had gone beyond. And actually, that's actually a kind of interesting how did that happen story, too, because I was in a business law class, and I mid midway during the class said, oh, I'm so tired of this. i got to get out of here. I was driving home from Portland to Scarborough, and as I was going over the bridge, I took the left instead of the right to go to Scarborough, and then I went past the Sayer Theater, where I happened to know in the, in the back room there was where the Spiritualist Church met. I had met them before, some of the people, because I used to meet at the um, Sweet Morton Church in Portland. Now I pulled in the parking lot, and there are cars, but there's no lights on. But the door was unlocked. So I went in. I took the right down the corridor. I found a darkened room full of people meditating. Well, they heard the door open, and so somebody came over to greet me and said, can we help you? And I said, well, I think I'm supposed to be here. So I sat down, and we had our meditation. And what happened was it was a feeling of an embrace. And this is, was my husband's best friend who died when we were in our 30s. And he just said, 
everything's okay. And then the hug kind of went up and out. And I was pretty shocked by that. And so then they turned the lights on and they said, did you get what you need? And I went, <laughs> and went home. <laughs> I didn't know what to think of that. But there was guidance to get there. There was guidance to sit. And there was a message. And that message was so reassuring. The connection that we have with people does not die when they die. We are still connected by love. Some people are so connected even in this world, and one of the campers here uh, reported to me that when a friend was shot, he immediately woke up in bed, alarmed, knowing that there was some tremendous loss or tremendous change in their relationship. In these stories, we see a wide variety of ways that are used by angels to communicate with us through all of our five senses. Now, ones that were reported to me just this week included sight and hearing and touch and smell, and I made a note to myself that only taste was not reported, and then last night the cook baked the cake that just the way my grandmother used to make it, and when I tasted it, I was like transported to being in her home. The perception of presence, perception of timeless, timelessness, and of telepathic communication are common in angelic in, in encounters and interactions. And these can happen in dreams, in meditation, with singing, and with giving driving directions. <laughs> the spiritual world is with us. We are surrounded by angels right here and right now. They're just on a different level of existence. And to give an example, which I know this also sounds a little but it's a Star Trek analogy. If you've ever seen the episode where, this is the original series, where they're all on the bridge and there's this buzzing. They, they're like, do you hear that? Do you hear that buzzing? Yeah, yeah. And, it's with, and then they, they slow down everyone on the bridge to going really slowly. And you see that there's other beings on the bridge that are vibrating at really high energy. So that's the buzzing that, that, that's heard in the natural world. And the spiritual world is hearing everything very slowly. But they're both existing in the same place. And this is something that our rational minds have a hard time getting around, that we can exist with angels and spirits right now. But we do. We are connected to heaven or hell throughout our lives, or both. And as we are inwardly spiritual beings, and Swedenborg wrote in New Jerusalem and its Heavenly Doctrines that an inwardly spiritual person is, seen as he really is, an angel of heaven. And he is also, even while he lives in the body, in company with angels, though he is unaware of it. And that's where we got the name, by the way. And after being released from his body, he comes to join the angels. However, a person who is inwardly only natural is, seen as he really is, a spirit and not an angel. And he is also, while he lives in his body, in company with spirits. But with those spirits who are in hell, and after being released from his body, he comes to join them. This is why what we feel and think matters to our eternal souls for later, as well as for our experience here and now. What angels are we listening to? What, what influences are we responding to? What hellish spirits are influencing us? Our desire to spiritually mature in loving God and loving our neighbors is vital to our eternal destiny. And we create our eternity by our choices. 
To keep us in freedom, God's love and wisdom provides that we experience the influence of both angels and spirits who are drawn to us by our desires and thoughts so that our choices in freedom that we act upon become who we are. In the Arcana we read, the reason two angels are present with each person is that there are also two kinds of angels. One kind acts on the desires in a person's will, the other on the thoughts in his understanding. Those acting on the desires in a person's will act on his loves and ends in view, consequently on his good intentions. Whereas those acting upon the thoughts and his understanding act on his faith and principal convictions, consequently the true ideas he has. Those two kinds also are utterly distinct and separate. Those who act on the desires of a person's will are called celestial, while those who act on the thoughts and his understanding are called spiritual. The genie stand opposed to the celestial angels, the spirits to the spiritual ones. Much experience has led me to know these things, for I am constantly in the company of and talking to those of both sides. So practically, moving forward, where do we feel the influence of angels and spirits on our thoughts and on our feelings? One of the things that Swedenborg writes about is how our feelings, particularly, are like an um, internal guidance system. You know that game you know, when you play with when you're a kid and something's hidden and you're warmer, 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 or colder, colder, colder if you're getting farther away from it? This is how we identify our connections to good and to truth. Is, does this feel like it's helpful to others and I like it and I'm happy to do it? Or does this feel harmful to others and I should probably shy away from it? We have a warmer, colder sense of this. And Swedenborg writes in Spiritual Experiences, spirits and angels reside in human feelings. By experiences, I have been instructed that good spirits and angels are not only present with human beings, but even reside in their feelings. For every feeling has a great extension and because the ultimate plane is with the human beings in their feelings, therefore this happens when the Lord enlivens and then arranges them. So I think when he's talking about arranging them, he's talking about getting our loves in the right order. Having a, a normal, self-protective love of self maintain and, and uh, survive in the world, to have an appropriate love for the things of the world in their place, to more as we open up to love others, that that is a greater love, and then to have the greatest love be the love of God. This is the order of the loves that the angels are inspiring us to. So when we think about, have we had an influence of angels in our lives, and some people will very distinctly say, no, I've never had that happen. But have you ever felt love guiding you? When I was um, living in Scarborough, just before we moved to Pennsylvania, my next-door neighbor was dying of a very quick um, pancreatic cancer. And she was young. She was in her 30s. She had two young boys. And she was very upset that she was going to go to hell because she hadn't gone to church. She was Catholic. And I sat with her one day, and I said, Terry, what have you loved in your life? She said, well, I love my husband. I love my kids. And then I said, well, you love more than just them. And then I reminded her. She had been a kitchen lady at the high school. I said, you loved all those kids who served food? Yeah, I loved them too. What about the rescue dogs in your back, backyard? Oh, I loved them too. 
What about nature when you spend so much time out in your yard garden? Oh, I love that too. And when she said to me again, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven, I said, well, what do you think God is? She said, well, God is love. I said, well, remember all those things you said you, you loved? Don't you think that is the life that leads to heaven? And she nodded and she said, yeah, I guess I, guess I did. I guess I did live that life because love was guiding her. She didn't have to have the formal structure of religion to be following love. So if you've not had a spiritual experience of an angel specifically guiding you or protecting you, comforting you, or um, bringing you the presence of something you could not understand, you have had experiences of being guided by love. And those are the angels, the celestial spiritual angels that are guiding you in that way. And that it's found in the human emotion of love is a reminder that this influence that we're open to here and now and every single day is to listen to that internal system within you that says, am I warmer, warmer, closer to love, or am I farther away? And that the influence of the angels of the Lord bringing us to feel love and to choose to grow in love, by that we are being influenced by the angels of heaven. In our t intentions to live lovingly and wisely, and in how we act on those intentions, this is the key to our acceptance of the influence of angelic pronouncement, protection, guidance, and connection and comfort that assists us in our lives today to the ultimate life in the eternal heaven. And don't forget that as spiritual beings, here and now, sometimes we are the angels that someone else needs. This is a reminder, and it's listed in the scriptures when he talks about entertaining angels unaware, that angels are not always of the next world. We can be the angel. When we feel inspired to do a random act of kindness or a senseless act of beauty that then affects another person, we have been sort of an angel in training, a natural angel, because we are spiritual beings now. And this is another one of those things like Allison said to stay with me about you know, the pulsing of the rock. Stay with me that eternity, eternity forever is right here, right now. This is eternity. And we are always in it. So how could we be separate from the angels who are in the eternal heaven? Because we're all living in eternity together. It's been a, quite an intense week listening to the stories that people have felt they wanted to share with me about their experiences. And I, I'm suspecting there's others who have had experiences who weren't quite ready to share them. But I'd like to offer, by way of preparation, for those of you who would like to go a little deeper with this, in our discussion group at 11, and we'll certainly have time to talk about it in the room now, but in our discussion group at 11, we're going to have one-on-one -on -one pairs to do a deep listening on the question, have you ever had an experience that you could not rationally explain? And it could be anything. You might not identify it with angels. You might not identify it with being a spiritual experience. Simply something that you could not explain. And then we'll listen to one another, and then we'll come back together as a group to share what feels it needs <coughs> to be shared. But I've been very honored 
to have been trusted, entrusted with those stories. And as I mentioned, um, I did lift them up uh, anonymously. But uh, during our time now, as we discuss with one another, I invite those of you who would like to maybe embellish on your own story just a little bit, because it is the person who has had the experience. And I want to say from having had a numerous experiences of my own, they stay with you forever. It's not something you ever forget, because you have been touched. I'm touched by an angel. Now, that's a TV show, so we won't say that. But you have been touched by the spiritual world and opened in a way that perhaps will allow you to continue to open more and more and to feel the light of the angels in your life that are surrounding you and protecting you, guiding you, comforting you, and bringing you that assurance that eternity is there for you, too. The floor is yours. Yeah. I totally forgot this and until this letter, but my grandfather, when he was dying, Edward Gray, um, said, Betty, bring me my rubbers. I'm going into a garden, a beautiful garden. And lovely. lovely. And it helped my father come in. That's lovely. He also said that there was a bunch of people coming for a picnic. Uh -huh. And he was on his Mm -hmm. so, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Susanna, you, your talk reminded me of this, otherwise I would have come to you sooner. <clears throat> but I had a parishioner who had a Down syndrome son, and uh, Dorothy just doted over him, loved him. And when he died, she could not stop crying. Uh, she talked to me, we counseled, I mean, we worked together. And one day she called me up on the phone excited and said, last night I had a dream. Mm -hmm. And the dream I had was that Bruce said to me, Mom, I want you to know I'm all right. But your tears keep putting out my candle. Would you stop crying? <laughs> <laughs> and she said it's, it was the thing that helped her mm -hmm. to stop crying. But yeah, stop crying, you keep putting my camera. That's beautiful. And, and actually, that reminds me to share a story. Um, I mentioned my friend Mark, who, um, my husband's best friend, who died. And, um, it's actually the reason I found this church. Um, I was driving past the cemetery one day where he was buried, and just my whole being just cried out, Mark, where are you? And all of a sudden, he was in the car with me. And I sort of did this gesturing towards and and my hand was placed, and he said, you got to stop talking to me. And he took my hand and he put my hand in the Lord's hand. He said, this is who you need to talk to. And that sparked my search for a church where I could talk about spiritual experiences because I had no place to go with that. It's like, did that really happen? And when I found this, this church, I was so relieved that people would talk about that with me and accept that. But uh, I think you're right. The people in the spiritual world have things to do. And uh, they don't. They they need us to move on because they love us and they want us to lead full lives and not over overly cry out the candle. Um, one thing that I've always thought was cool about communicating with spirits and angels and everything is that you don't really do it with words. You do mm -hmm. it with how you're feeling, mm -hmm. or like feelings in general. And so it's much like how you. Um, are with animals and with nature. And so like when you're petting a dog, you aren't speaking to the dog and you aren't having uh, you know, word word conversation. You're 
like feeling what each other are feeling. Communication beyond words, and that's angelic communication. Can I just ask, since there's a little gap here, um, just a factual question. You, you said something about the, when a person dies, it takes three days to. Swedenborg talks about there being a three day. Uh, transition so that they have to wake up in the spiritual world and the angels come to them and invite them in and sort of the, the level of angels that they're most comfortable with they finally go with but that that transition of awareness that you're in the spiritual world I mean I don't know how you talk about three days when you talk about eternity and timelessness but um, it's been a reminder to me that when, when someone passes I try to consciously keep them in prayer for three days for their transition well, that's that's the, exactly the same teaching that my Triana Buddhist. Oh, interesting. And um, when my mother died, I got to the house. Um, I flew down to the house the next day, and it was so interesting that she was there. Mm-hmm. I could feel all her presence strongly throughout the entire house, and as I was there, uh, and three days passed, that feeling dissipated and she was gone and it was just back to the house that was empty. Mm-hmm. But when I arrived, there was no doubt. Yeah. Jesse? I was just going to say that um, someone shared with me that whenever you're, you sort of have this sudden feeling of someone or someone sudden like memory or you know strong feeling or strong memory of a person that they are with you mm-hmm. and that was really comforting to me too I think you know as you're saying just having someone validate that experience because that's what I felt like but I was you know sort of dismissing it saying well you know I felt like my mom was there but I was probably just thinking about it or, you know mm-hmm. but just having that sense of, yeah, that person is probably with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, since then, I just I just feel that that person is with me. Mm-hmm. It's um, also something about, um, and it's something that Andy brought up in his lecture, about when we hold things in that are important to us, whether they're troubling or whether they're joyous, when we hold them in, we're hurting our bodies. Our bodies get tangled up in that. And um, I think it's a great relief to be able to share experiences, um, to be able to share just you know, life experiences. Certainly, we know that from you know, counseling and therapeutic models. But to share something that happens to you that you just don't know what to do with it. And you're confused and you're bewildered. And to be able to share that with someone who will just accept it, not try to explain it away. I mean, my, my fear of talking about my experiences with someone else was they're going to put me away. And I wasn't willing to do that. So it's a great relief because if I had kept it in, maybe after 25 years, you would have had to put me away because I would have been holding that in as that's something wrong with me. There's something unacceptable about that. So I, I think that this church provides 
a great service to those who have a need to talk about the experience of the unknown in whatever form. So just a poll, the idea of that you're going to meet in pairs, has that scared anybody off for a discussion group who normally would come? Well, we're going to give it a shot for whoever shows yeah. up. I'd be too scared to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pleased that, Tony, that you mentioned that this, that, that teaching is consistent with a, a Buddhist teacher that you know, and, and much of Swedenborg, um, you know, we're, we're very uh, quick to say something is Swedenborgian, but what I've noticed is a lot of times what we call Swedenborgian is actually universal. It's written about in many different spiritual traditions. We just have it in the Swedenborgianese, because that's our flavor, but it's truth and it's human experience, and we all have, well, as a for instance, okay, how many people remember their dreams regularly? It's about half. How many people never remember their dreams? Yeah? So, everybody dreams, we know that. Some people have a, an ability to retain it in the morning, and to study it, learn from it, appreciate it. The people who don't remember your dreams, you're still benefiting from your dreams. You're just benefiting unconsciously because you can't bring it to mind. But it's the same thing with spiritual experiences. We're all having them. Some people remember them. They have something very um, uh, startling. It's very uh, consciously wow. Other people are having very subtle, gentle, don't even recognize them as spiritual experiences all the time. But it's just how you receive them, and it's the differences of human beings. We are all very, very different. But that, that spiritual essence is part of everybody. Carl? You mentioned uh, something slightly off topic, but close enough. Uh, for those of us, or those of anyone in the room who've lost a loved one, mm -hmm. Um, I'm also one who's worked with hospice care, so actually with hundreds of people over a decade. So uh, one of the very uh, common experiences, it's not universal, but it's uh, often reported that there's, when a person, I'm not sure I can get through this actually. Okay, The, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can anyway. Um, oh, I didn't realize I couldn't say it at the time. I too have had experience in hospice, and um, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you want to say, but I want to reflect that when we are talking about that connecting experience with the spiritual world, frequently we can't talk about it. It's so deep, it's so meaningful, that it's hard to tell somebody. It's hard to get the words out. And um, many times this has been reported of people seeing beyond um, in those experiences at end of life. Sometimes they're talking to someone who has gone. They're talking sort of up at the ceiling to somebody who has passed away, who they're looking forward to seeing again. 
<clears throat> and for those who are in the room when that happens, sometimes I've come in the room and people are just crying. That, that's all they can do to respond to that. They've seen this angelic encounter. Even if they haven't physically seen, they've seen the person's response to what they're seeing, and it brings them to tears. Um, that's why the box of tissues is here, by the way. <laughs> because this talking about and reliving the experiences of loved ones passing and having communication with them, it just touches us so deeply. And as I said, it, it's something you never forget. You never forget it. It's always there. Martha? Now this isn't this little boy, this is a minister mm -hmm. that had a terrible automobile accident. Mm -hmm. Have you read it? I have. Yes. And one of the things that I was thinking of is that um, I think it actually came from his wife, this minister that was in the car praying for him. And she said, I want to thank you for holding his hand. He said, I couldn't even get near him. I was not holding him. But he knew that someone, someone was holding his hand. And I, I, look, I would suggest anybody read that. Mm -hmm. It's a terrific story. Mm -hmm. And then I read the one, the sequel that his wife wrote. Mm -hmm. And that brings up the topic of near-death experience, which gives people a glimpse into the spiritual world. Um, some are told, no, it's not your time. You have to go back. Others choose, and they say, no, I'm not ready. I'm going to go back, and if that option is available to them, they do that. Um, but the increase in the reporting of near-death experience has been phenomenal, and there's so many wonderful books. And, um, and on YouTube, if you go to the TED Talks, you can uh, see quite a few people speaking about that. Uh, but it's such wonderful affirmation for what we already believe, that the spiritual world is here, it is around us all, it is enveloping us with love, and caring for us, and the angels are the messengers of the Lord's love to us. Yep. Yes, I have one other question. I worked with a lady. She um, opened up to me. No one else in the whole office knew that she saw spirits and things, but she thought <coughs> that she came from a great-grandmother that was a witch, and that she could do it, and her children and daughters would do it, who were witches or something. This is how she mm -hmm. perceived herself. But she often experienced um, spirits that were not mm -hmm. uh, gentle or, um, I remember her telling me that one time she was in bed and this, that laid right on top of her and suspended her to the bed and was very heavy and suffocating and mm -hmm. she wondered if, you know, she was I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that um, I mentioned that I had gone and visited a spiritualist church and that was kind of an odd thing that happened but um, when I read more in Swedenborg he cautions us that we shouldn't seek out these experiences if they happen to us we need to find others with whom to process them but to seek them out is to put yourself in a danger because the spiritual world is much more powerful than we are and I love the, the little comment that someone made to me once. He said, well, if you didn't trust Uncle Harry when he was alive, why would you trust him when he's dead? <laughs> because there are people with 
you know, the genies and the spirits that have intentions to want to manipulate you. So I do say that, uh, yes, we affirm the experiences when they happen. No, we don't try to initiate them. That's my sense. Well, I don't think she tried to. It just, they no. just came. Well, um, I have had at least one negative experience, and, and for me, I just, as soon as I felt that negative energy, I just asked the Lord to surround me with white light, and I held my hands over my heart, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed until it went away. For me? So, uh, I guess I don't often share this story, but uh, I've been on retreat for several weeks, and I went to visit my father, and he had a habit of getting very down on himself and being very, you know, poor me. Mm-hmm. My life is no good and everything's no good. And, and he was standing in front of me in the house doing that. And that usually, like, set me down. Mm-hmm. But that time, I saw this creature on his shoulder mm-hmm. whispering in his ear. And I just, I didn't yell at him. I looked at that creature and I pointed my finger and I said, and that thing took off and my father goes I feel so much better I'm so glad you're here Wow. so it just happened and then it was gone and I haven't told many people that story but there was that thing Mm -hmm. on his shoulder and I was very clear with it that he was not going to stay there (laughs) powerful I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a wonderful story. Um, I think I can say this. This is a different topic. Uh, I was reminded with Martha's story and your response, which I found helpful. Um, William James, of course. So this is support. William James, when you wrote Varieties of Religious Experience, you know, great American psychologist who did groundbreaking work on the nature of consciousness. Of course, he was from a Swedenborgian household. Uh, wrote that, uh, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say, he included in his book that the criterion he would use to, to uh, understand the nature of a religious experience would be its effect in life. He was, mm-hmm. I think this is part of pragmatism. So that uh, the criterion would include um, a- able to maintain healthy social relationships, mm-hmm. able to um, continue useful work in the world. Um, and if any of those were interfered with in a significant way, that, that would be Problematic, mm-hmm. and so that would be part of the design of nature is in, is is to include that. Mm-hmm. And I might just add one other element to that in terms of mental health and mental illness. I mean, a a, a way to understand if one is suffering from a mental illness versus a kind of bad day is that if there's consistent interference with one's social relationships, mm-hmm. one's work and one's uh, feeling about oneself in the world, those are the, those are the things we use mm-hmm. to say, yes, I'm okay. Yeah. So I wanted just to bring in that very uh, stable yeah. idea in the uh, 
context of mm -hmm. our very useful and interesting conversation. So for myself personally to have had those experiences and then go on to be a minister probably means they were angels. It probably wasn't a psychotic break. <laughs> At least I'm hoping not. Um, but it also, that speaks to the near-death experience because they, many people report having a greater satisfaction with life. They're not afraid to die anymore, and they want to go out and work with people and love one another. So they really do come back from that touch of heaven with a renewed energy for loving God and loving the neighbor. Like a dream, there's a lot going on under the surface here. I can feel it. Okay. Um, I would just like to say that um, I've had a number of um, contacts with animals, particularly in the healing process that I went through. Um, I think I kind of disagree with Swedenborg that. You should not seek them out because there are places and ways you can seek um, angelic influences with a sense of safety, especially if you know who you're calling on to help you. So and there's, you know, if you know what angels are for you and, and what sub-spirits are that are against you, there are places that you can do that in safety, and it can have a huge beneficial experience on your outlook in life and, and what you do with your life. And so um, I guess I understand his caution that it can be dangerous, but I'd also like to say there can be safe places mm -hmm. and ways of doing contacts um, as you grow in experience with that kind of communication. And when I first read Swedenborg, um, I was very interested that, you know, the way he first approached or had visitations was that he would always go into this huge, deep state of meditation. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and he mentioned he just kind of happened upon this method of, of that. And, um, and he sought it out because he had a particular interest and fascination and purpose. And calm from the Lord. He had a calm. And I think, um, I think other people have the same mm -hmm. thing. I don't think he's the only one mm -hmm. who has a calling to seek that, seek truth and goodness out. I think we all can share in that calling. And that anyone can, um, like, like you said, have experiences, whether they're sublime and subtle, or whether they're very dramatic. Um, so I, I think that, um, and, I, and I'm also aware of uh, ways that you can, like, like your story in terms of um, perceiving dangerous spirits and being able to ward them off, and their, their prayers actually designed to do that, which can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. I guess my comment would be this is just where free will comes in again. People can choose 
what they want to do and what they feel comfortable with. And um, I think I've kind of come to an appreciation for Swedenborg's warning because it puts me in a deep humility that I have no idea what the powers are around me. So I'm not as likely to, to try it. Lois? The only thing I know that I learned is that evil spirits can put on the, the facade of being someone we trust. Mm -hmm. And since I know that already, I would uh, mention that Mm -hmm. They are masters of manipulation and disguise. Disguise, yes. yes. Martha? I don't mean to dwell on that, but, I, but I've heard of uh, stories of very young children, and a lot of times when they, when they think they've had bad dreams or there's someone in their room, there really is, and it's someone that they fear that rather than feeling something loving. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't, and they certainly didn't call out right. any evil spirits or try to get home of anyone. They just, it just happens. Mm -hmm. It just happens. They come and they don't feel a loving, mm -hmm presence among them. They feel a, um, like, they're mean. Yeah. Yeah. And now, so, how do that's, you That's one that? of the reasons we say bedtime prayers. <laughs> I know it, but what if they don't work? <laughs> we comfort them when something happens. Erin? Um, an answer to my nanos, special answer. I think that if a child has bad experiences with maybe darker dark spirits, I guess, mm -hmm. spirits or whatever, that it's because children are so precious and they have so much light and love in them that they're <coughs> always attracted to them. Like a moth is attracted to light or something mm -hmm. like that. They mm -hmm. like to hang around children because they want some of that light because that's really what every spirit wants is mm -hmm. love. So the more support we give for children to, to feel that love of God in them, that when they are feeling scared, they, they can hold that. But as I was saying, I, for myself, I held it close to my heart. We're at time now. This is the last lecture of this 2017 se session of the Freiburg New Church Assembly, so I'd like to just invite you to rise as we close the word. As we end our formal time together, we take the Lord's love, light, and wisdom with us into the world and into the day ahead. It is always open and available to us in our hearts. Thank you all for a wonderful 2017 session. <laughs>